Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Coming up next on the Liverpool Sailing Podcast. first experience was crossing the Atlantic and it was a Whitby 42. It was a great boat to cross on. And then um, sailed on a trimaran across the Pacific. That experience didn't end great. Uh, we got rescued at sea. Hi everyone, and thanks for tuning in on the first episode of Season 2. Today's guest has some interesting stories to share, as you heard in that little snippet, and I am excited to share my interview with Liz Riley. We talk about crossing oceans and getting offshore experience before buying a boat and how that impacted what qualities and features Liz was looking for in her own sailboat. And as she was in Guatemala when I talked with her, Liz also talks about her experience getting there and how much it costs to spend hurricane season in that part of the world. Now here we go with Liz Riley. Well, Liz, let's start from the beginning. At what point in your life did you get into sailing? So I got into sailing when I was a kid. My dad, he was South African and he bought a boat in South Africa when I was about nine. And my cousin sailed it over with a few of his friends to the Caribbean. So um, so yeah, we had a, um, a boat in the BVIs and we would go down and sail on it on like, you know, our school vacations. And so that kind of got me into it. Um, but then I kind of, when my parents sold the boat, I, like when I was about 16 or so, um, I just hadn't sailed for a really long time. And I was dating somebody and his parents had taken him out, him and his sister out of school for um, a couple of years and they sailed around the Caribbean. And so we were talking about going around and sailing around the world together. So it kind of was like, kind of got the bug back that way. And then just kind of figured out how to get back on sailboats. And, and now I'm here <laughs> on a sailboat. 
And earlier you had mentioned that you have done some sailing trips, sort of boat delivery trips before you got your own boat. So tell me about these boat delivery experiences and how you got, where were they and how did you get involved with uh, that kind of thing? Yeah, so um, it was my first actual trip on the boat when I got back into sailing um, about four years ago. And I kind of, I became a member of this um, community called the Ocean Cruisers Club. And uh, in order to be, become a full member, you have to do a thousand nautical miles on a run line. So like in a straight line, basically. And there was a rally coming up and it was to the Azores off of Portugal. And I reached out to them because they were looking for help. Um, it was their first Atlantic crossing as well. And, uh, you know, they had interviewed a bunch of people and eventually chose me to help them move their boat across the Atlantic. So that was kind of the first experience. And you know, it was such an amazing experience that the bug bit me and I uh, just tried to find out how I could keep sailing and keep getting on different boats. A lot of the people I met during that experience and in that rally were like, you know, they just told me, they're like, sail, sail on as many boats as possible before buying your own boat. <laughs> Get paid to do it or do it for free before you're buying your own boat. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I just kind of you know, worked with them and then um, I was still, I uh, went back to work full time for a little bit, but then I still missed the idea of sailing. So um, kind of started looking for opportunities to help move boats and then started getting, you know, because of more miles and started getting paid for that. So, but yeah, the first experience was, you know, crossing the Atlantic and it was a Whitby 42. Um, so it's a great boat to cross on. And then um, since then I've sailed on all different types of boats and monohulls, catamarans, trimaran. I sailed on a trimaran across the Pacific. That experience didn't end great. Uh, we got rescued at sea, but <laughs> don't go sailing on a homemade sailboat. <laughs> my, my two cents. But uh, yeah, no, I just kind of looked for opportunities and then kind of people started reaching out to me looking for help to you know move their boats. So it's kind of how it happened, I guess, or how it started. Yeah, I've definitely heard the same advice, like get on as, on as many boats as you can before you go and, and buy your own boat. But uh, what happened with the Pacific Crossing? That sounds moderately scary being there on a trimaran and being rescued somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah. No, um, so I, I just helped uh, move a, a Voyage 500, so a 50-foot cat from um, St. Thomas back to Virginia and the, one of the other crew on board, she was trying to gain mileage for her RYA. And she just, I think, I don't know whether it's her first like kind of long offshore experience, but after sailing with us, she was said, you know, I'm not ready to do the Pacific yet. She didn't feel comfortable. And I was like, well, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> so she put me in touch with the person who was looking for help. And he, he had built a trimaran and was looking to get it to to like Southeast Asia. Like I think he was looking to get it to the Philippines. I think he had a girlfriend in the Philippines or something. And I offered to help him sail it to Hawaii. Um, but as we were sailing across, the boat just started kind of falling apart. So um, basically at one point we realized that when we lost the rudder that we should set off the EPIRB. So or because we didn't have you know enough water or food on board just to kind of float there. And we had lost our shore contact, so we didn't know the weather either. And so yeah, we set off the EPIRB and got rescued by a cargo ship, which was an interesting experience. 
Oh, wow. That sounds like uh, quite the adventure that you maybe don't want to have. Given that you have so much sailing experience uh, before you bought your own boat, I'm wondering what did you learn on those passages about the type of a boat that you would like to have for yourself? Definitely. Well, obviously, I mean, that's, I feel like it's a given, but a well-built boat. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, you know, like I, I knew I wanted a monohull. Like I said, I sailed, you know, the, the catamaran and trimaran, but I just, I like sailing monohulls the best. Not 100% sure what it is. I mean, it's just, I just enjoy the way they sail a lot better than catamarans or trimarans. So I had that idea in mind. And then um, I knew I wanted kind of like a, like not a, a kind of like a fat bottom boat, like a Beneteau or a Bavaria or anything like that. I wanted something kind of sleeker and faster and, uh, but still comfortable because especially when you're living on a monohull with, you know, two or three other crew, the space gets tight. So I wanted something comfortable and yeah, I don't know. Those are kind of like the kind of key takeaways, I guess, from sailing another boat. But sturdiness is definitely like the biggest thing. I mean, I've never... I don't, I mean, I've been in kind of bigger ocean, but like, or bigger swell and big, stronger winds, but uh, nothing too crazy yet. And uh, so, yeah, I think just like sturdiness and like the build of the boat was the most important thing I was looking for. Yeah, for sure. And those are obviously a really, really good uh, features to be looking for. And uh, doesn't limit it too much. You still have a, a wide variety of boats to choose from. So you now lived on board uh, your own boat since uh, February of 2021. And I'm curious to know why have you chosen to become a liveaboard? I mean, I, you know, I've traveled a lot um, over land and, and, you know, obviously sailing has become like a big passion of mine. And I think the choice was just like, I wanted to be able to go to places where it was easier by boat than by land. <laughs> you know, like small islands or whatever, or just, and I just, I mean, I love sailing. So it's just kind of, it's kind of cool. I can just move my house wherever I want to go, wherever I feel like going. <laughs> um, obviously dependent on times of year and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that was the main reason is it's kind of, I live wherever I feel like it. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice, uh, nice way to live, in my opinion. Yeah, that is a pretty good goal to have for sure. Um, had you done a lot of travel uh, before you started sort of uh, sailing and then got your own boat yeah i mean i i've i've backpacked like europe and i backpacked south america and central america and and you know my mom's english so and my dad's south african and they're both big travelers as well and uh so yeah just kind of grew up traveling as well so i've been to i was in south africa you know australia so been around but you know the the cruising lifestyle is like it's just it's kind of unique. It's a u unique way to see the world for sure. So yeah, I agree. And that's part of the reason why I want to do it as well. It's like, well, you can literally take your home with you. That's, uh, that's a very cool concept. You're still traveling, exploring somewhere new, but there's a little piece of home where actually your whole home is with you. So that's pretty cool. I mean, also it's scary at some points because you think that, okay, my whole life is on this boat too. So hopefully, hopefully it'll never sink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we talked about that you've lived on board uh, for a few months now, but we didn't actually say what boat you ended up choosing. So what boat uh, is it that you live on? So I have a, a 1982 Cal 39 and I 
again, like I kind of chose, I mean, I, I spent a few months kind of researching and trying to figure out what boat I was trying to look for. And I had help from, um, from a, you know, a friend who, the part of the couple, um, the husband of the couple I sailed across the Atlantic with the first time and uh, kind of used him as for a lot of advice and ideas because, you know, there's so many types of boats out there. I mean, it's just, you know, it's endless. So it's just, but with the Cal, I had a, another friend who had uh, recently bought a Cal 40 and she's been working on it and fixing it up and kind of, again, bouncing ideas off. And I, I started looking into some cows and I found, you know, they're more like affordable from, for me at least. And they're just, re I mean, they're just really well built boats and they're fast. So these are all kind of things I was looking for. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like what had me decide on the cowl in the end. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I looked at other designs like uh, like the Whippies and like other Ted Brewer designs. I didn't really, I guess I didn't really look at like a whole other boat. My budget was not big. So I, you know, had to kind of limit it as well uh, to the type of boat. But uh, yeah, I was, I was just looking for something that was in good shape and, I mean, obviously, well aware that I'd probably have to do some work on it before uh, taking it offshore. But yeah, something in, in okay shape where it wasn't like a huge refit. And uh, yeah, and I was just really lucky to find the boat I did. The couple had owned it. It's only been owned by one, you know, the original owners before me. Um, they bought it brand new in '83 and uh, had had it the whole life. So and. Uh, we're only selling it because unfortunately uh, the husband uh, had, uh, I think it was, he had developed dementia and has been in a hospital for about a year. So, um, so I kind of, I put an offer on it and they accepted. So yeah, it was just kind of, I was very lucky. It was, I had friends, I had two friends who said to me that they're like, if you don't buy that boat, I'm buying it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is a good one. <laughs> I'm also curious about um, becoming a liveaboard sailor. Um, I'm wondering, you obviously must have been thinking about it for a while before making the jump. And I'm wondering if you had any kind of uh, expectations of what the liveaboard life would be since you had a little bit of an experience with sailing and doing passages. So do you remember if you had any expectations uh, or and, and so far has this lifestyle met those expectations? Yeah, so I mean, basically, you know, it was after last year, like after the Pacific crossing, and then after I was supposed to help move another boat, but uh, in the end, you know, I decided it wasn't a right fit for me to help the owner of the boat move his boat. Like we, were, you know, just kind of got into disagreements about things that I just wasn't ready to go offshore with him about. So, <laughs> um, so after that, it was just kind of like, and I had, you know been meeting more like kind of people around my age or even younger who are you know kind of doing the same thing like but you know buy, finally like spying their own boat and like and going out so it's kind of I had the idea in my head but I wasn't really committed to buying a boat until after like I, I you know after the end of last year and yeah the whole I mean I'm trying to think the whole like liveaboard I the idea of living aboard is um you know obviously I've had a lot of experience and I've met, I've met a lot of liveaboard cruisers and just, I love, it's a small community and everybody's like super supportive of each other, which is really nice. I mean, I, I can meet, I could talk to a sailor here in Guatemala and they'll be like, oh yeah, I met, 
uh, I know those people and on a boat that I, you know, I delivered to England. They're like, oh yeah, I know those people too. Like it's just, it's a small community. Everybody kind of ends up running into each other at one point or another. So I kind of like it. It's like, it's a well, um, it's a supportive community and it's just nice. Uh, People are generally nice. So that's what I like. And I, you know, my expectations after buying my own boat are no different. Like I still have, you know, the people I've met, I've just been always like super supportive and always offering help or advice. And yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what I love about it. And then as far as just living aboard the boat, I mean, I like it. I like small spaces, <laughs> less to clean <laughs> um, and easier to maintain, I guess, <laughs> as, a, as far as a house. Like, <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I, I just like the simplicity of life living on board or the general day-to-day life. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do once you buy a boat. <laughs> you learn about all that after buying it. But uh, <laughs> the general like day-to-day life and just like the simplicity of being able to like go for a swim off my boat whenever I want or just enjoy a book or just relax. And it's just the day that, that I enjoy, that aspect of live aboard life I enjoy. Well, now that you have had a few months of this live aboard experience coming from Connecticut to Guatemala, I get to ask my favorite question. Um, what do you wish you knew before embarking on this liverboard sailing adventure? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, after leaving the States, I wish I brought more of my favorite snacks with me on board. No. <laughs> um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of things I missed from the States. Definitely wish I had, I invested in more tools when I was in, at home or in the States. Things are just a lot more expensive. Or, Tools are more expensive down here in Guatemala, at least. <laughs> um, the import tax is high, so things get a lot more pricier. So there's a lot of things I'm, like for the boat. Um, I'm about to pull her out of the water uh, on Monday and I'm starting to do some kind of some more work on her. And I wish I brought a lot more things from the States on the boat. It would have been easier because I'm, I'm going home for a little bit um, in, to Virginia in, in September. I'm going home with an empty bag and fully expecting it to be very heavy, heavy and very full of boat parts on the way back. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think yeah, definitely tools and parts and and my favorite snacks <laughs> are the things I uh, wish I brought more of. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good point, and it's interesting to hear that the tools are more expensive there. I kind of hadn't thought about that. I just kind of have this perception of Guatemala as a cheap country, so. Uh, but it's interesting to hear that, of course, there would be an import duty on on some of those kind of expensive items that are probably still coming from North America anyway. Yeah, I mean, the labor is super cheap down here, and that's awesome. But um, and if you if you bring them in, like I guess I've been told that if I bring things in to the country and say they're for my boat, then I don't get charged that import tax. So I'm hoping that works out when I come back in October because <laughs> I I need like a new computer for my my auto helm and um that's you know that would be an expensive import tax and there's just other smaller things and so yeah hope hopefully I won't get charged when I fly to the airport and they believe me that I am going to my own boat not selling this for somebody else. So what kind of work are you uh getting done on your boat? Um I am so there's some of the, the paint on the bottom uh started to blister a little bit so once it gets pulled out I when I cleaned off the hull when I was in um Tres Puntas before coming into Livingston I I noticed some blistering so um when I pull it out on Monday I'll see how it looks but um obviously like kind of sanding that down and repainting 
the bottom. And then uh, doing uh, pulling my mast out, there is some, when I had the boat surveyed, uh, the surveyor her, had recommended that to be done just to kind of, um, cause there's, you know, the boat had been sitting on the hard for about a year and a half. And there's the boot where the, it's a keel stepped mast. So where the mast goes through the deck, um, the boot wasn't, uh, was leaking cause it's just been, you know, old and sitting there. Um, so there, there, there's some like water intrusion, I think around the mast where it goes through the deck. Hopefully, and, and the, you know, it doesn't seem to go very far. I've tested it with the water meter. So hopefully that'll be an easy fix. And then just some other deck work. Um, there's some leaks, or I, f I found another leak underneath a winch for my main halyard. And then, yeah, it'd be like sanding and repainting the mask because the mask is painted and it's um, chipping off. So doing that and uh, sanding down some of the teak on the outside and, you know, re-varnishing all of that. And then, um, like I said, like a lot of things I can't do until I come back, um, bringing back like new gaskets for all the port lights, which are pretty corroded and leaking. It rains a lot down here. So I've, I found a lot more leaks <laughs> as the months gone by. So uh, yeah, it's kind of like resealing everything up, I guess, is the main goal. And then getting the auto helm fixed because we, since I we came down from Connecticut, we've been hand steering the whole way. So it's going to be like a dream to actually get the new computer for the auto helm. I'm really excited about that <laughs> and actually have auto helm when I leave here. <laughs> and then what else? I don't know. I have a list of projects on my phone. There, some of them are like simple. It's like, it's like making a backsplash for the sink because all the water just goes onto the set D behind it, which always annoys me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so just kind of just getting it prepared to head out for the Bahamas at the end of this hurricane season. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Given that, you know, you are quite, uh, new to the lifestyle you've started relatively recently and, and everything uh, is hopefully still fresh in your memory I'm wondering is there anything you would do differently either in the boat purchase process or on your way down sailing from the U.S. East Coast to Central America anything that you wish you could do over? Um, as far as the boat buying process no I mean even the the seller's broker um, I, was, I was super lucky with even like where I bought the boat and everything, the the yard it was in, it's a big marina and the people there were in, in Norwalk, Connecticut and the 
people there were just amazing and super helpful. And the seller's broker was, she was amazing. Diana, she, she even, um, you know, I got, they lent me at her, um, her car for the whole time I was in Norwalk. So I had a car when I was up there. Um, so yeah, the whole, I was pretty, I was pretty fortunate in the whole boat buying process. Um, my surveyor was also a really nice guy. So yeah, I mean, I think it, was, it would definitely help just to have a friend who from the Northeast or just, and also like being a part of the Ocean Cruising Club, like, you know, I have contacts all over the world. So I, I would, you know, always send people messages to be like, oh, hey, do you know a, a surveyor in this area? Or do you know where I can go to get this fixed up here? And, you know, so just kind of having those contacts really helped. And then as far as the sale down here, um, I don't think I would change anything. Typically, people's first kind of shakedown sales are a little bit shorter than Connecticut to Guatemala, <laughs> but um, I don't think I would change. I mean, I've, I learned a lot about my boat, and I, I mean, I knew she was, you know, ready to go offshore. I wasn't concerned about that, but and not having auto helm, I was fine with that. Although it would have been nicer to have had it before I left Virginia, but you know, <laughs> just an added luxury. So not nothing important, I guess. <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't. Every, you know, the whole experience so far has just been great. So I, I don't think I'd change what I do. I mean, you know, living down here in the marina is a whole lot cheaper than living up in Virginia or Connecticut, you know. It's like, I think I think the fee at the marina in Connecticut was like 1500 a month. And the one I was at in Virginia was 750 And here, uh, all the marinas basically charge the same rate at $230 a month. So <laughs> it's a lot cheaper to live down here and get stuff done here. So, yeah, I think... I don't think I would change anything of that process. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you mentioned the cost because that certainly sounds very cheap compared to some of these uh, North American prices that I've seen uh, to be, did you say a marina is about $230 a month? Yeah, my clip in the marina I'm in right now is 230 And I mean, all the kind of all the slips around, um, marinas around, they're all fairly similar. Some have pools, but... Um, I like where I am now. It's a, a nice, quiet kind of lagoon. So it's um, off the main river. And, you know, each marina has its, its advantages, whatever you look for. But they all are around the same price at 230 Yeah, that's awesome. And that's sort of a hurricane hideout where you are now, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people kind of bring their boat here um, for hurricane season if they're in the Caribbean. You know, a lot of people just kind of leave their boat here and go home to wherever they're from. And, uh, but there's, there's a lot of cruisers that kind of st stay on their boats the whole time and kind of, obviously now it's like COVID, it's a little bit different. And for some people, like even getting back to where they come from, like I know the UK was really difficult to get into, especially from Guatemala. And, and then even like being here the whole time and, you know, trying to travel around Gu Guatemala, it's a little bit different because of COVID. Um, they just lifted actually, they just had a, a uh, restriction where all bars and restaurants had to close at 6 p.m., which was just lifted, I think, two days ago. So, you know, they're still kind of having big restrictions here. So it's not like normal. I've, I've been told it's not like normal years uh, without COVID. Um, usually there's a lot more like socializing going on. But um, but I've met a lot of great people just since I have sailed down here from Florida like or from the States. And, you know, there's a good group of friends now that I have here and they're all here together. We're all here through the whole season. And so it's nice, nice little community. Yeah, for sure. Well, I am interested in talking about sort of the financial aspect of sailing as well. And uh, well, you mentioned now um, that the costs there are not terribly expensive, but I am curious, do you want to share what is it that you do to sort of 
keep the boat afloat, quite literally, and uh, you know, keep going financially. Yeah, so I, I have a house. Um, I'm from Charlottesville, Virginia, and I have a house there, um, which I it's a I rent out um, to the rooms to uh, friends of mine, and then um, there's kind of like an addition on the back of the house and that was like my it's like a master suite, which is my room, and I we've been Airbnb it, so that's kind of my income. Kind of like the guys that live in my house pay my mortgage, and then anything on top of that from the Airbnb is just my income. So, um, so yeah, that's my base income, and that's kind of what kind of keeps me going. And uh, as far as expense, I mean, I'm trying to think of any major expenses. I mean, I did a lot when I was in Connecticut, like you know, get install the solar and the charge controller, and you know, all that add added up, replace the water heater, kind of stuff like that. But general like day to day expenses, I think the most expensive thing has been fuel, <laughs> especially since we used a lot of it coming down from Virginia to Florida. But uh, hasn't been too crazy yet so I, I don't really have like a firm idea of how much i've spent in the last four months yet <laughs> probably take a look at my credit card bill i guess <laughs> but i mean i think just like parts on boats it's like the most expensive thing you know I, I think somebody told me you can find a screwdriver for a normal job outside of a boat shop and it'll be like three dollars but you find one in a boat shop and it'll be twelve dollars it's kind of like the same for anything boat related just put marine in front of it and tar- and then you'll times the price by 300 percent or something <laughs> well thank you for sharing that that's always really interesting to hear how people do make it happen financially it certainly sounds like that's a really cool arrangement that you have so that's awesome i mean the other thing that has been great too is that because i've had um friends helped me sail it down here and and uh like at least coming into guatemala like we picked up a backpacker and in, in mexico and so she shared the expenses coming into guatemala like for all the import fees just to get a ride down from mexico to guatemala so it's just kind of like having friends on board who want to do the same journey and we've been splitting the costs that way so that's also why how i've been affording it as well yeah that's really cool well you mentioned the uh, ocean cruising club earlier. So can you tell me a little bit, what, what is that? I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, I was kind of introduced to it from a family friend who's been a member of it for a long time. And um, it's a, you know, international organization, but I think they're mainly based in the UK. Um, but um, it's an international organization that has kind of port officers all around the world. So kind of people to get in touch with wherever you're sailing to kind of help you and guide you in the area. I'm not sure how many members it has, but it's just been a really useful tool. Um, so basically what happens is you can become a, an associate member, I think is what they call it, for up to two years. But you have to, um, within that two years, in order to become a full member, you have to do um, a qualifying passage, which is, like I said before, like a thousand nautical miles on the run line without stopping, and you can become a member. And the, the benefits from the club are, are, have just been, you know, I've only been cruising for four months, but just the benefits of having knowledgeable people in all the ports I've been to and like having people help me out has already been worth the cost, the yearly cost of the membership. So I haven't even really started to dig into it yet. But um, but no, it's just a great community. I mean, there's other cruising associations too that are quite well known, but um, I just became a, a member of the OCC just because, based on the family's family friends recommendation and it's just been really great so far so oh that's awesome i'll have to check that out and i'll link it down in the description as well so anyone interested can go check that out as well so with this podcast i'm trying to well not only to help myself but also others who are interested in the liverboard sailing life and 
I'm wondering, since you, you've embarked on this adventure quite recently, is there anything that you would want to tell someone who is considering this lifestyle? Any words of encouragement or warnings or any words of wisdom? Yeah, I mean, I'm always advocating for people to come and join this lifestyle. I think it's great. I mean, and I wish there were more like kind of, I mean, it's a definitely like an older community. So I wish there was more younger people <laughs> out there. Maybe I just haven't met enough of them yet. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, everybody is super awesome and super sweet. So it's been great. I don't, I mean, just get as much experience on sailboats as possible. You don't even really, I mean, obviously you can, there's many people who's kind of gone out and bought a sailboat and gone off sailing too. I mean, but I, I and I, I'm, I'm happy that I got more of the knowledge on other people's boats first before buying my own. <laughs> but, uh, there's nothing not to love about it, I don't, in my opinion. So, I'm, and I'm all for people just kind of getting this experience. Um, you know, it's been great so far. So, I don't. I'm trying to think of any caution, like or words of caution, I should put out there, but I, I can't really think of anything right now. <laughs> you know, it's you learn so much as you go. So it's just kind of like a learning. It's been a learning process for me, even since I bought the boat. You know, like I said. You, and, you know, like I told you, like I, you know, sailed across the Atlantic and I almost sailed across the Pacific. <laughs> and um, but you know, like there's there's so much more to learn. Like once you buy your own boat, and like I said, like the places I've been to, like when I was up in Connecticut at that marina, and then when I was in the marina in Deltaville, Virginia, like everybody's just been super helpful. And um, just don't be afraid to ask questions. I guess don't feel like you have to know everything about a boat just because you own one. Like ask questions. It's <laughs> good advice, I think. Yeah, that's actually a really good piece of advice for sure. Just be open to asking questions and don't expect that you need to know everything right off the bat because literally everybody that I've talked to has said that learning never stops. Like you'll just keep learning till, you know, as long as you go. And uh, actually a lot of people also said that this is not an easy lifestyle, but that it's completely worth it. And I'm curious uh, to hear your thoughts on what do you think it takes to succeed um, with this lifestyle? Curiosity. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's, that's it for me. You know, like I just, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm so excited. Like I hate Marina life personally. Um, so being stuck here in a Marina has kind of been killing me slowly. <laughs> I can't wait to get back, back out there and exploring. Um, as, I'm just curious about places I haven't been to. So it's just kind of, and I love learning. So the whole kind of learning about all the boat systems and how things work has also been kind of enjoyable for me. So that's what just kind of keeps me going. Well, speaking of going explore and being curious, where are you headed next? What's uh, what's coming up for you? Yeah, so I, I plan on being here through the end of hurricane season. As long as I get all my the jobs on my boat done, uh, I have a friend who keeps doubting when I'm actually going to leave but I kind of want to so now I'm on a mission to get done with everything by the end of hurricane season (laughs) but the next stop um so like I said I've I've met some great friends sailing down here and so now I think uh, we're talking last night actually and I think there's like a little pot of us all gonna eventually make our way up to the Bahamas for winter plans I think there's some plans of stopping in Belize on the way up and you know, going back to Mexico possibly. And then, and then, yeah, and then going to Florida and kind of provisioning and provisioning as much as possible before heading over to the Bahamas because Bahamas is really expensive. (laughs) So 
just stocking up on food and supplies as much as my boat will hold. <laughs> but yeah, that's the kind of the next, um, the winter goal, I guess, or yeah, eventually like in, I guess, December, January is to be in the Bahamas for a few months and just kind of explore all the islands around there. I haven't, it's funny, I've, I've sailed for a long time, but I've never been to the Bahamas. So I'm really excited to check it out. I just heard it's just amazing. So looking forward to that. And then, but yeah, then after that, just kind of sailing around the Caribbean. I'm not quite sure where. Um, and then with the ultimate goal of next summer, kind of going, well, seeing what's open, I guess, with COVID, but, and I try not to plan too far out and ahead, ahead, but I, I really want, I'm dying to sail around Norway. So, um, hopefully getting my boat over there at some point next summer and, uh, exploring Norway is my main goal. All of that sounds absolutely amazing. And I just love the sort of somewhat vague like oh we're gonna go there and and maybe there uh i think that's actually really appealing uh like i'll go somewhere in the caribbean we'll see what comes up but also very cool about norway it sounds like and looks like an amazing cruising destination yeah for sure and like i I realize that you know you can't really plan too far in advance kind of like and i don't know i've always even as a backpacker and a traveler like i just kind of you know realize it's hard you can't plan out every step that you take you know just kind of go where you know the road takes you or here on wherever the sea takes me you know <laughs> like I just kind of um figure it out as I go along but um but no, those are those are just like the couple of places I have goals for in my in my head for next year so we'll see we'll see if I get there <laughs> well where can we all follow your journey in the online world uh to see where you actually end up um I have a uh, Instagram. Um, my boat is called It's the Truth. And so my Instagram is the same name. It's just ITS the truth. And then uh, I started a YouTube channel more for like family and friends. I don't expect to be like Sailing Uma or Delos or any of those guys, but um, just kind of I've been having fun editing videos. Um, so I started a YouTube channel and it's called Life of Riley, but there's actually another channel called Life of Riley. So if you go into YouTube and search Life of Riley Sailing, you'll find my channel. <laughs> Awesome. And I will link it in the description. So we all have a direct link to go to so we can uh, see where you end up and follow your amazing adventure. Thank you for sharing your story with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, it's been fun talking for sure. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the season. I thought it was a fun way to start by hearing from someone who had experienced crossing oceans and someone who had just recently become a full-time liverboard sailor. I also just loved hearing Liz say that what it takes to succeed in this lifestyle is curiosity. You've heard me say something along the lines of I'm curious to know or I'm curious to hear about this or that in so many episodes, so I guess I have checked that box already. So on that note, Stay curious, and next week I have an awesome and completely different story for you. See you in the next episode.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.